uh, having your head in the game as a Christian leader, having my head in the game as a Christian leader uh, has really been pivotal on so many levels. I'm Dr. Hannah Stoles, Director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation and Professor of Marketing and Supply Chain Management, and you are listening to the Integrate Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, F.T. Chung, Head of Private Capital at Pinebridge Investments. Every episode, we bring you guests and new voices offering practical tips for faithful decision-making in everyday business. And we have Steve Preston here with us, president and CEO of Goodwill Industries. Steve is the, the uh, he's led in nonprofit social enterprises and in government positions. Goodwill as an organization serves people going through life transitions, such as veterans or displaced workers, and people working to overcome difficult barriers in their lives, such as education, physical or mental, mental challenges. And Steve also, you know, he runs this company over $6 billion in revenue with an amazing mission that's affiliated with a lot of local organizations. And so we're really grateful to have you here, Steve. That's just a snapshot of all of the different roles and organizations you've led in. And we're really grateful to have you here today. Great, thank you very much. Yeah, so before we get started, FT, I'd like um, to talk a little bit with our guests um, about um, what we've talked about over, over the weeks. This is um, in terms of our spiritual quotient. So we talk about our intellectual or intelligent quotient, our IQ, a little bit about our EQ, and we're, we're talking a little bit every week about our spiritual quotient and what is the amount of our spirituality, our whole selves that we take to work with us. So FD, can I have you uh, just talk for a minute about that, and then we can ask Steve some questions here. Yes, uh, uh, soon somebody's gonna write a bestseller on SQ. Uh, you know, there was a bestseller on emotional intelligence. Uh, we, we bring more than intelligence, our emotional intelligence to the workplace. Uh, and especially in the period like right now, where there's so much stress. And I wanted to, when we started this whole conversation uh, uh, with Hannah, uh, bring this SQ to the forefront. Uh, for many years, Christians and, and uh, people with some spiritual maturity have kind of hidden, hidden their faith. They don't bring it to work. And in good times, it's easy to do it. But in more stressful times, your spiritual quotient shows. Uh, so one of the themes in all our conversations is how do mature Christians bring their faith or SQ to work? Uh, let me just do, uh, you can ask the first question, but let, let me just go back to Steve's background a little bit. Uh, and he's the Honorable Stephen, I uh, forgot your middle initial, Preston. <laughs> um, you're on mute right now, I think. Um, but he has been at Lehman Brothers and then felt the calling to go into uh, outside of the, the uh, financial world. And luckily, actually, if you're stuck at Lehman, you may have gotten in bigger financial trouble later. But first data, uh, CFO of Service Master, Administrator of the Small Business Administration, Secretary of uh, Housing and Urban Development, uh, headed a uh, 
uh, waste management company, a logistics uh, company, and then Goodwill Industries. I would say six billion at Goodwill is maybe one percent of HUD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, closer to ten, but it's still uh, HUD's, HUD's a big place and. Uh, uh, so yeah, you know, I've really been blessed with a lot of different kinds of leadership roles. Um, most of my experience has been in private industry, but the best known positions just because of the public visibility really have been the, the government positions and now, now leading uh, goodwill. And, you know, every one of those has been a huge blessing. And in every one of those situations, um, having, you know, spiritual intelligence, uh, having your head in the game as a Christian leader, having my head in the game as a Christian leader uh, has really been pivotal on so many levels. Yeah. Let me ask you one. Do people know you're a Christian? Like when you went in, did you, le- did you lean in with your Christian kind of identity? Yes. Yeah. And I try to, it's, it, it can be tricky, um, but I, I, I believe that to lead an organization effectively, people need to know who you are. People need to have confidence in you who are. They need to know where you come from. They need to know your heart. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I also, you know, have led diverse organizations. I've never led a, a, a Christian organization. Sure, sure, yeah. And so what I, what I try to do is to let them know how my faith leads me to be who I am. And, um, and, and you know, uh, in some cases more overt than others. In, in some cases I've you know, led Bible studies in the organization or done that type of thing. In other cases, I've connected with Christian groups, but I always, you know, try very hard to balance that important equation of helping people understand who I am as a leader, but also treating every single single individual inclusively, equitably, uh, irrespective of who they are as a person of faith. Yeah, I think that's really important that that understanding of who we are and and how God sees the people around us, even if they aren't just like us. And as I think, as you know, with a PhD in in business and a marketing and logistics professor at Wheaton, uh, you know, I like to look at the whole world as a decision science, right? You're always making decisions and we want to make it um, measurable as as professors and as academics. But when you think about the, the course of your career and the different leadership positions that you've taken on, how would you say that your spiritual quotient has really informed kind of your, your logic or the intellectual piece? Because sometimes what we do, you know, in our spiritual and in, in faith doesn't seem to be logical, doesn't seem to make sense to the outside world. So uh, can you talk a little bit about your personal journey in terms of how has your faith really informed how you've navigated career and, and the work that you have done? Well, you know, FT started out by talking about some of the challenges we have in the world right now. I've led a number of organizations that have been going through big transformations and some of them through crises, right? I led HUD through the housing crisis. I led SBA through the Katrina crisis and some other things. And um, you are faced or I have been faced with many complicated decisions that don't always seem to have a right path. And, um, you know, I'm always reminded of, you know, John 15, where, you know, uh, Jesus says, you know, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And our, our professional lives are given to us by God, right? Right. It's, it's, um, uh, and so I think it's really important for us to cultivate habits where we are looking for 
guidance, where we're looking for God's spirit to lead us, just like Solomon at the, you know, at the beginning of his reign said, I don't know how to do this job. I, I can't do this. I just, he, God says, ask for whatever you want. He goes, give me some wisdom. I need, to, I need your discernment. And so the important thing to understand is discernment comes in every little corner, you know, but having that foundation, and having the, the the strength of that conviction, which you knows as much you know as much bigger than you are, allows you to be a much bigger leader, and a very different kind of leader. And it helps you become a, a bold visionary. At the same time, you can be humble. Uh, it allows you to be a voice for justice and a leader of people. At the same time, that you can make tough decisions. It allows you to be a, a peacemaker. Uh, and I think most importantly, it allows you to desire what God desires. Now. I will tell you that I don't do all those things great all the time. <laughs> and like a lot of type A leaders, there's a lot of me in my job. There's a lot of me that wants to achieve. And I think the other thing about leadership is letting God, you know, making sure that we're working out our salvation in those places where we come in, where we exhibit our fallenness. And I think for leaders, um, it often happens in their jobs because they're so much caught up in it. Yeah, I just want to um, kind of make sure people don't miss this in that it's easy, uh, and I listen to a lot of podcasts actually, to come across as I'm, you know, I'm perfect and everybody should be like me. Um, I think there's the Christian aspect, which is I'm so imperfect, but somehow, <laughs> <laughs> and it's amplified when you're the leader and under stress, right? Um, and that uh, as a Christian. FD, I think some of the toughest and best decisions I've ever made in some of the biggest aspects um, of some of the most important aspects of some of the transformations I've been a part of. I truly believe were in those places where I felt like I was following God's leading and where I got out of the way. And, uh, uh, and I think it's, it, it is extremely empowering. It is, it, it is, it is extremely freeing to feel that you're sort of released to do what you really believe you need to do, even if it's not popular, even if it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you have a question? Uh, yeah. Can I, I have another follow-up question, you know, and, and we've talked, you talked about, you know, leaning in and, and having that discernment in, in new spaces, right? When you, when you step up to lead and you have some experience now in, in leading through crisis and, you know, we're in another crisis. We're in like, I think dual crisis right now in the U S and there will be more crises, crises in the future. And what is your, you know, the process or how have you seen um, your faith and how have you seen God work in your life as you've navigated really stressful, really anxious moments in history and time um, and seeing God work through it? Um, I don't know if you can think of examples or maybe the process. Well, first of all, I think the most important thing for me has been to step immediately into the realization that people need leadership and, you know, and, and that's my job. And in a crisis, people need, people just need to know, just need to hear what the situation is and where you're going and what it means to them and how you're going to deal with it. And they need to come together and engage in those issues. And so, um, you know, for me, when something like this hits, it is immediately game time and immediately the realization that that's why God put me here. Um, 
it is very, very important to realize in situations like this, um, and it's sort of hard, I think, as a leader, but you have to be able to step into the realization that as a leader, you have power. You have a lot of, you have power over people's lives, the direction of the organization, where the outcomes are, the environment you create, the signals you send off uh, affect the organization. And, and you have to step into uh, an accountability around that, uh, a humility around that. And I think in those cases, um, those are some of the cases where I think it's, it's almost easiest for me to say, God, like, who do I need to be in this space? And, you know, for example, in, the, in, in this latest situation with, uh, you know, the horrible racial trauma we're going through, you know, um, my people, so many of my people were just traumatized, especially the people of color in my organization. And, you know, it was a time for me where I said, we're in the middle of this COVID issue. We've got all these things going on. We, you know, there's, you know, I'm, I'm, my team is smaller right now because, because of the financial situation. And I realized that all of us needed to take a step back and find space to care for people, to think about where we needed to go, to take action and to bring uh, restoration to the community somehow. And, um, you just have to be very vigilant in those spaces to understand, you know, what is needed and what your role is in, in, in making that happen. It doesn't all come directly through you. I mean, you can bring your team together and you can work through them and through other people. Sometimes that is what you need to do. Sometimes you need to get out of the way and let your team come together. But um, uh, it's just, you, 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 you really, you got to figure out that path and what to do and, and then take ownership and lead it. Yeah. So um, you mentioned the word accountability. Um, who, besides, of course, you and God, and you and uh, your spouse, uh, what do you have other men or other people who look at what you do and say, ah, Steve, maybe you shouldn't be doing that or saying that? Yeah, I have at different times, uh, you know, and we've moved around a lot because yeah, of yeah. the jobs I've had. And uh, uh, when I've when I've been in a, a close close relationship with other people of faith, uh, those have been uh, really special times. And um, and having that transparency and that honesty in terms of, of uh, you know of these issues is really critical because you need people in your life who will speak truth to you. And I do have people like that in my life. We're new to Virginia, and I'm looking forward to cultivating more of a community locally. Uh, but most of it takes place over phone calls now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that's uh, one of the most precious things that we can have is a one or two people we can be quite truthful with. Yeah. Always accountable. And being able to do Zoom nowadays makes it possible to do so without being in the same yeah. geographic location. You know, in the old days, you just, if you travel, you, you lose that relationship, right? Yeah. So that's a good thing that has come out of all of this. Um, okay. Reconciliation. So um, uh, it's stressful now, and uh, stress causes <laughs> breakdowns, uh, people to lose the temper, disagreements, and all of that. Tell us about experiences, you know, HUD, dealing with Congress, work. Gosh. Private equity. 
Um, Reconciliation as a Christian, how you work that? Well, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. <laughs> and I will tell you, uh, there's a reason that verse comes to mind very quickly. Um, uh, when I was uh, in the administration, I was in the Bush administration, and it was uh, toward the end. So things were getting very fiery with Congress yeah. coming into a presidential election. Um, I had in my first 15 months on the job, 20 congressional hearings. So I was the guy on the other side of the table. <laughs> Answering the questions on everything, you know, and um, what I realized was, uh, you know, people from all different places, from all different backgrounds, from, of all different views, um, you know, you know, are are people of good intention uh, most of the time? Um, are people who have, you know, that we should dignify? Uh, people who are created in the image of God. And what I used to do is I used to hold briefings um, in my office for Democratic uh, staffers from Congress, even though I was yeah. part of the Republican administration, because I wanted to bring people and say, let me tell you what we're doing. I know you care about this. You're my oversight committee. And in some cases, these are my overseers. Let me show you all of the metrics. Let me tell you what's working and what's not working and what we're doing about it. And um, that was when I was at the Small Business Administration. When I was nominated for the uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, um, the head of my oversight committee in the Senate was a bitter opponent of President Bush. He came out on three separate occasions and endorsed me. The number two Democrat in the Senate met with me and said, whatever we need to do to get you through this confirmation, let us go. Let us help you. And it wasn't because I was politically aligned. It wasn't because I was completely philosophically aligned. But we worked together in places where there was uh, commonality, which there were many. And where there wasn't commonality, we respected each other. And we talked about it. And they, people understood there were differences. And so I just think, um, you know, God calls upon us to treat people with love and respect and dignity. And, um, you know, it, it, it just reaps so many good things. And it's such an important representation of who we are uh, as people of God. And once again, I'm not perfect. I'm a very tightly wound person. <laughs> I often live in frustration. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot going on inside that doesn't get out all the time. Um, but I know, I know, I am never, uh, you know, I, I never look back at a time where I try to be a peacemaker and say that was a bad decision. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, well, the entire Bible is about reconciliation, right? The hardest reconciliation, God and people. Uh, but it really, there are models of reconciliation there, which involves there's a price to pay, there's a sacrifice. You have to get to know people. You have to get to love them in a sense and view them as, as made in the image of God. So that's, I, I feel like reconciliation is unique, somewhat unique to Christians uh, in, in the work world, that we have a perspective that we were forgiven before we would deserved it. Yeah. Right. right. And, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, reconciliation presumes it's, it's preceded by a breach. And I think the other thing about being a Christian leader, that's much easier, uh, is to go to people humbly, uh, when you have been in a difficult situation, uh, where you feel like uh, you haven't been the person you wanted to be and go to them and apologize and sit down with them and say, this is what was happening. Um, uh, I, I think we have uh, much, you know, or certainly I feel like I have great freedom 
uh, to go to people and to say, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, or even if it's not something intentional, uh, you know, it was sort of a, an unwitting problem or whatever to go and basically say, oh my goodness, I didn't think about this. I'm so sorry you're upset. I completely validate it. Uh, you know, and it, 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 it's really important. It really is important to repair relationships. Yeah. So I would encourage uh, Christians to work the reconciliation muscle a little bit. <laughs> it's very difficult for me, you know, also you get into a, an argument or a fight or a struggle, you forget, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> take yeah. a step back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also another part to that is, is what's your goal? Is your goal winning the argument or is your goal an outcome that's beyond the argument? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Hannah, I'll, I'll let you ask the next question after this one. What uh, okay. you moved around, and you, you mentioned the other day you're listening to your calling or God's call, right? So there are younger people on who would listen to this. Hopefully, how do I know God is telling me to do X or Y or Z? What's listening to God's call? How do you detect it, and how do you? Well, I think I think there's a couple of things, and and one of my favorite uh, passages, or most impactful passages in the scripture for me, is is Isaiah six, where Isaiah has this vision of God in all of His glory, realizes how sinful he is before this vision of glory, he's forgiven, and with that forgiveness, he's released, and then God says, uh, "Whom will I send? Who will go for me?" And he says, uh, here, here am I, send me. And I, so I think, it, it, so the, the, the big point with that is, if your eyes are on the bigger picture, if your eyes are on, on what God could have for your life, you have, he doesn't say, where are you going to send me? He says, send me, where, wherever that is. Yeah, yeah. Just so much more freedom. And so I left Wall Street probably a year before I made partner. And I had partners sitting down with me saying, do you know what you're doing? You're leaving right before the big purse. And I said, you know, I, but I didn't, I, I felt called to a different place. And the same thing happened when I went to Washington, which was just very unlikely. We had five small children. I had a phenomenal role. We had a great community. We were part of a church plant. And so there were a couple of things I think to understand. Number one is you really have to, you really have to be in prayer. You really have to be seeking and you really have to do everything you can to take yourself out of the equation and put God in the middle of it. And sometimes that takes time because we know what we think we should do because that job is just, that's a, that's a gold nugget or this one sounds so good. And we just have to give ourselves time to let that work and for that, that, that leaning. Um, the other thing is to have confidence that when you get to that place, there's so much more blessing there than anything you could choose for yourself. And I, I'm certainly uh, an example of that throughout all the roles I've had. Many of them have been very unlikely. Um, and I've just developed such a strong sense of conviction um, in, in, in the process of prayer and reflection that I, you know, I found that blessing. The third thing is, I think especially for young people, um, and this is certainly what I felt, um, when you're younger, when you're earlier in your career, this is such an important time for development, for developing skills, for, for learning things, for building your leadership toolkit. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, some, and, and I think sometimes young Christians are like, I, like, I want to be in that ministry today because that sounds right. You know, God may be preparing you over many. I was 45 when I went to Washington to run for the SBA. 
or, or to uh, lead the SBA. Now I was doing a lot of ministry on the side, but this was really a different kind of calling for me. But when I got there, I had had over 20 years of experience, uh, you know, building toward a, a role that required everything I had developed over that period of time. And so, you know, when you, when you, when you think about people like Joshua or other people, the scriptures who were developed for a period of time before they got to that place, um, for young people, I always encourage them to think about that. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. And that, that kind of ties into, you know, my next question. And I'm going to weave two questions together, um, if that's okay. Sure. And thinking about, you know, we talked a little bit about this the other day, about, in, you know, our own inadequacies, you know, when Isaiah stood up, you know, he, he was so aware of that, right? And then and then he had the, the ability because he felt the grace of God to go and to answer the call. And so along your journey, you know, how has it looked for you in dealing with mistakes and innovating personally like we look a lot at faith and innovation in a process and product space but we also individually um have to innovate as well so what has that looked like for you and then we'll we'll pause we'll do our takeaways and pray as we close out our time together today yeah, great, great. I, I unfortunately have a hard stop in a couple minutes, so let me talk fast. So how do have I innovated personally? Is that kind of the, the question? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, um, um, when I was early in my career on Wall Street, I'll never forget the CEO of the company meeting with a new associate. One piece of advice could you give us? He said, always be a learner, always grow, always seek to understand more things. And um, even though I have always been at relatively traditional organizations, there has always been opportunities to innovate within those organizations, and it has required my innovation of myself to do that. And so from my perspective, it really is about investing in learning, investing in growth, investing in those places where you know by doing so, you can add more value in those roles. And so I've probably taken a relatively, um, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a very pragmatic view in terms of what's what's going to build me as a leader or as an effective business person in this place. But, um, you know, it, 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 I think, you know, I said early on the importance of being humble. When you're walking into any situation, I've led, this is the fifth organization I've led, right? Um, I still have so much to learn. And, and I have to go into these places humble to say, you know, we've never had a, a George Floyd crisis before. I mean, we have in some ways, but the way that this thing has hit people, I need to learn. I need to, like, I need to develop my understanding of how to be a better leader in these types of situations or, or other, other similar situations. So all of that requires innovation. And I think, you know, I guess what I would say is it's, for me, um, situational is too small, but it's been very, it's been, you know, very much tied to who I need to be in that place that God has called me to. We're going to let you go. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's really been my pleasure to be here. And uh, uh, what's the uh, one thing people should remember? Just one thing and we'll let you go. You're not, we're not letting you go otherwise. I won't even say anything today. I think the one thing to remember is um, when people have talks with, with leaders, they're kind of looking like, you know, you know, be a leader of people or do it, you know, they're looking for a big, my, my headline is um, you have to lead 
out of a place where God's spirit is, is, is helping you lead. You need to rely on him. And, and the issue is, it's what you hear in every church service, cultivate those habits. Cultivate those habits of reflection. Cultivate those habits of, 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 of seeking to do the right thing um, uh, with, with, with the foundation of scripture. And what I know is if you're seeking him in the place that you are, every time you open up that book, you're going to be getting advice and it's going to take you through the day. You're going to be getting, you know, uh, fuel for your soul. And, um, uh, and so really understand that, um, you know, leading out of God's spirit requires, um, you're taking care of that. Okay. We'll let you go. And then Hannah and I will pray. Actually, we'll pray for you as well. But thank you very much. It's been a great blessing. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Uh, Time flies, and uh, yeah, it does. we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, uh, why don't you want to pray for us? To, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And before we pray, just uh, want to give a quick heads up as well that we will be um, gathering or meeting, podcasting again on J- Thursday, July 2nd. And we'll have Dr. LaDonna Thornton, and she's an expert on workplace power dynamics and um, she'll be talking with us from Auburn University about navigating you know everything that's going on in the world right now within organizations where there are power struggles and all of those things going on and loving others well so our takeaway from today I think Steve said so well uh, you know really cultivating the spiritual practices that we need in place to flourish as a leader so uh, I'll just close us in prayer today FT and um, look forward to meeting with you again next time. But, thank you. Um, so let's thank pray. You. Father God, I, I thank you for all of the places that you call us to, that you give us the grace to be worthy of the opportunities that we have in front of us to love people and lead people well. So I pray right now that you um, just activate in us an urgency to cultivate the spiritual practices and the discipline of pursuing Uh, something bigger than ourselves that we can take ourselves out of situations and with humility see people well around us so i pray you bless steve as he goes into the rest of the work he has for today Um, bless ft and i and anybody listening as they finish out their work day